Welcome to Unlocking the Truth. We are excited you are joining us in this podcast by Preset Ministries Canada to discover God's truth for yourself and to know Him deeply. You are listening to the series Follow Me with Mark Sheldrick, where we will look at six characteristics of a true discipleship of Jesus Christ and His call to follow Him. We encourage you to study along with the 40-minute Bible study, Being a Disciple Counting the Real Cost. You can find this 40-minute Bible study on our website. Now here's Mark Sheldrick in Unlocking the Truth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is Mark Sheldrake, National Director of Precept Ministries in Canada. This, as always, is a podcast of ministry of Precept in Canada. So glad that you are tuning in with us. We have been working through the episodes called Follow Me, a discipleship podcast, This is episode five. So glad that you are joining us again. Happy New Year to you folks as we took a break uh, through December. And we've got uh, two more episodes, uh, including this one. And then next episode, we will let you know where we're headed uh, for the foreseeable future. I think it's going to be a long time that we're going to be looking at uh, this book of the Bible. So tune in to episode six to see where we're headed next, and you can pick up your your study program, uh, your study guide for that uh, series, and looking forward to you following along uh, in your Bible. If you have been tuning into the podcast since the beginning of episode one of Follow Me, you will know that we have looked at the calling of the disciples, that first calling where Jesus called the disciples to follow him when they were mending their fishing nets. We also saw what the uh, commitment of a disciple, what does it mean to truly follow after Jesus Christ? We've also looked at some distinguishing characters that are show us our, that we are true disciples, the commitment it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this week, We're going to dive into the commissioning of the disciples. And so looking forward to this, looking forward to a great new year of ministry with Precept Canada. And uh, if you want to find out more about what we're doing in the ministry, local training uh, and things like that, you can follow us at preceptministries.ca or join our mailing list, which you can click on the mailing list on our website as well. Let me pray. Let me commit our time uh, to the Lord now, and uh, may he uh, bring his words through his scriptures for us all to hear. Father, we do thank you for this time that we have again, Lord, to to dive into your scriptures, to get a better understanding of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And as we look at uh, the commissioning of your disciples this week, Lord, help us to to remember that this commissioning that uh, was given to them is given to us, and that we would be reminded of this, especially uh, in the day that we are currently living. So we commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we left off before Christmas, we were working through uh, John chapter 15, and we were talking about disciples and how disciples, they bear fruit. And so this week we're going to start, we're going to pick up where we left off in in John chapter 15. 
And in John chapter 15, uh, this again, as mentioned before, is all a part of that upper room discourse, that that final time uh, when Jesus would be really teaching and pouring into his disciples before he would uh, go to the cross. And so we saw... Uh, in the early part of John 15, abide in me, I in you, because apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we see that uh, one of those uh, things was, you know, a disciple, they need to to bear fruit. And, and John, uh, with the words of Jesus, he is going to pick this up uh, in John chapter 15, verses 16 to 20, and he's going to continue on this path of the importance of of bearing fruit. And that's what we're going to look at. Uh, and we're going to probably list out some of these fruits that we did previously uh, in our in our sessions together in our episodes. But it's a good reminder for us before we dive in and look a little bit closer at uh, this commission. Uh, so John chapter 15, verse 16, uh, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And, and so we, it's hard to move beyond that verse because there's a lot to unpack in that verse. And, and the first is, and we talked about this in the previous episode, but that I, okay, if you were to put yourself in here, I did not, uh, you did not choose me. Wait, wait a minute. But yes, see, this is the big, ar- the argument, those who, who follow Arminian view or the Calvinistic view, or who chose who, but the scripture clearly states if we do simple observation of the text here, if we just look at what the text is telling us, and we don't try to to over-interpret, we see that Jesus said, He chose us. Well, if we follow uh, the pattern and the path, who was it that went to the fishermen on the shore and said, come and follow me? Well, that was Jesus who called the disciples, follow me. And uh, John chapter 17 talks about this too, about uh, these men being given to Jesus by the Father. And we'll we'll look at that in, in just a few minutes. But the very fact that God chose us to be disciples of Jesus Christ needs to stop and pause and think about that because of all the people in the world that that are all over this place, he chose you. What? That that that's a that's a mind bender in the fact that he chose you and he chose you for a purpose. And that purpose, he says, uh, he chose you and then he appointed you so that you would go, all right, so, so you know, I think about the Sesame Street episodes, uh, near, far. Remember, remember Grover used to do that? Maybe, maybe I'm really, does, is Grover still on Sesame Street? Anyway, Grover used to run back and forth uh, towards the camera yelling, near, far. So we have here, go, stay. Well, he calls us to go. 
all right, to go and bear fruit. And, and not just bear fruit that, you know, oh, it'll be in for a season. You know, that's my struggle right now. I'm doing this uh, eating plan and in this fitness regime, and I'm trying to get in shape with the hopes of, hey, maybe I can do another Ironman or marathon in the future. And a lot of my meal plan is, is all about this these bananas. But man, oh man, I've tried everything. I've tried putting that little saran wrap on the top to, to keep them right, to keep them from going ripe too fast, but nothing stops. These bananas do not last as long as I need them to last. And so what he's saying here is don't just go bear fruit that that's not going to last. Bear fruit that is going to remain. All right. And so there is a number of things that we can look at and think about what we already have listed out in some of these characteristics. All right, this is not new information for us coming into this episode, but we've looked at these characteristics of of the fruit that a disciple should bear, but let me they they are good for reminder. And we are to bear the fruit of the spirit. Okay? So that's one of the fruit that we are to bear and have remain in, in our lives, all right? So Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 uh, and 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, uh, there is no law. All right, so let me just give you these again. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this, these things, there is no law. Okay? Do you hear all those things? These are the things that are are, are produced in our lives. All right. If you look at uh, back into Matthew chapter fifteen, he says, "This I command you that you love one another." Uh, so this is a part of bearing fruit of the spirit. Is the first is love, loving one another, and so that's one of the important. Uh, fruit that we are to bear. Okay, we've looked at that one in the previous episode, but here we've looked at this one as well. And part of the fruit that needs to be uh, to be shown in our lives is the fruit of righteousness. And Paul talks about the fruit of righteousness in Philippians chapter one, verse eleven. All right, so if I go back and I and I read just in the whole context of that verse, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, verse 3, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in the view of your participation in the gospel from this day until now. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus." For it is only right for me to feel this way about you, all because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with affection, and I and this I pray that you may abound still more in the real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, now listen to what he says in verse 11. So that you are ready to be blameless until the return of Jesus Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ 
to the glory and praise of God. The idea of the fruit of righteousness is that my life reflects that I have been justified by Jesus. All right. It's not that my works are going to save me, but because of the result of what Christ did on the cross, because when he went to the cross and he became atonement for sin, that when Christ, when God took the payment of Christ's blood to cover the sin, we were justified by faith. And a part of that justification by faith uh, comes out of that righteousness. We were considered right before God. And because we were considered right before God, there needs to be fruit that comes out of our life that so proves that we have been changed. All right. We have looked at these uh, verses and these these concepts and these truths multiple times over the last uh, number of episodes. So we don't need to, to dive into those too much again. But the author of Hebrews, he also talks about a fruit that comes out of our, uh, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, this, this fruit that we are to bear. All right, and it comes in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15. All right, so Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So not only in our actions are we bearing the fruit of righteousness, but in our words. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. We are to worship God in all circumstances, to to worship him and make that a practice in our lives, because when we worship with our mouths, not just when we sing on Sunday mornings, when, when we bear out what Christ has done for us through our words, we are bearing fruit. And that is also important for us to understand, especially in the midst of the world that we're living in right now, when our words mean everything, and what we can type in 180 characters on a Twitter feed can either be positive or negative. It can either glorify or it can cause problems that uh, arise out of sort of tainting our testimony. So we want to be good uh, with our words. Okay, so that's another fruit that we are to bear. Let me just remind you of these things. Uh, We are to have the fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, and so on. We are to have fruit of righteousness. Our lives must reflect that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We have a fruit of praise. And then we want to look at a big one, and it is in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 16. I promise we're going to get back to John, uh, but we need to look at Romans first. So Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 13 
to 16. And just listen to Paul as he's uh, addressing the Romans, in which he had never uh, been to Rome to meet with them, but he had desired to get there, and the Holy Spirit had drawn him in different directions, and now he is um, talking about his desire. Listen to verse 11. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far uh, so that I may obtain some fruit among you, also even as among the rest of the Gentiles. Uh, Paul's desire was to go to uh, Rome and make more Christians. He wanted to uh, get more people saved. Paul's greatest desire was to preach the gospel in places that it had never been preached before, and he wanted everybody to have their lives radically transformed by the gospel. And Paul's example in Romans chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, is the example of another fruit that we are to bear, and that is the fruit of leading others to Jesus. And that's the part of the commissioning that we want to look at. We have looked at over and over the character qualities of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And now that we know what a true disciple looks like, one who has made the sacrifice, is willing to give up everything in their lives to follow after Jesus, ready to give up their own will to follow God's divine will for their lives, ready to sacrifice relationships and things and and just completely uh, get rid of sin out of their lives and pursue Jesus full on 100% to love him and then to love others in all of those things and bear fruit. And a part of that is, as I've said in many podcasts, our goal, our mission is to populate heaven and plunder hell. It is to lead people to Jesus Christ. This is the mission that we have been given. This is the focus that we have. And as Jesus is preparing his disciples in this upper room discourse, a part of this is he's saying, okay, here, here's what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen to me. But a part of that is I'm going to leave this world. And when I leave this world, your job is to continue on with the mission. It's keep going and pressing on to the mission of populate heaven and plunder hell. And so in John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. Now, let me just go back first because I want to look at verses 18 to 25 really quickly because listen to what Jesus tells us. And again, this is not new information for the disciples. In verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, you would love the world would love its own. Because you're not of the world, but I choose you out of the world because the world hates you. Remember what I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. 
But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have uh, sin, but now they have no excuse for sin. The truth is out there about how to come to the Father. It's no longer about the law. It is by partaking in the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, which we looked at. We also looked at the very fact that because of our allegiance and following our master, Jesus Christ, we are going to be persecuted. We can't be surprised by persecution that comes from the world because we follow Jesus. The message of the gospel is absolutely countercultural to what the world teaches. The world teaches me, 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 and Jesus teaches him, him, him. And so you're going to be hated by the world. And that is just a reality that we are to face. But my, in my mind, the love and acceptance that I receive from Jesus Christ, knowing that all of my sins have been wiped away, that I have been justified and made right before a holy God, takes greater importance in my life than what any individual in this world thinks about me. Why? Because my focus is on Jesus. And that's what he's telling us we need to do. He told us that early on in these episodes, in the, in the scriptures that we looked at. And this is a reminder again, because now he's saying, as I'm going to depart, it's your job to go and bear fruit. Uh, All these things they'll do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I'd not come, they would not know their sin. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father's work as well. (laughs) They didn't just hear the words, but they saw God in action and they chose to hate. But they've done all this to fulfill the word that was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now listen to what he says in verse 26 and 27. Uh, When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. And you will do what? Wait a second. You will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. All right. So we we have this promise of a helper that is going to come for these disciples. And after he is gone, Jesus is going to send the helper. The helper will be with them. And then they will go and testify about Jesus. Why? Because they saw and were with him from the beginning. Now, I want to go over to Acts chapter 1 and listen to uh, what Luke records in Acts chapter 1 concerning uh, this very thing. All right, so in Acts chapter 1, this is what he says. Uh, the first account in chapter 1, I, I composed Theophilus about, the G, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, and he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. All right? So this is it. This is the commissioning. This is what he told them to do. Uh, To these he presented himself alive 
after his suffering by the convincing proofs appeared to them over a period of forty days, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. For John the, Bapti- John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will baptize, be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, the Helper. So when the Helper, uh, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for me, uh, it's not for you to know the times and the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And then after that, Jesus ascended into heaven and he left. So we have in John chapter 15, he talks about this helper that he will, that who will come. And they, this helper is the spirit of truth. But not only will this uh, the spirit of truth help them, and we'll look at that in a minute, but he will also give them power to testify about Jesus. All right. And so this is very important uh, information for us to know as a part of this commissioning uh, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to uh, work and, and participate in our lives. Let's look at John chapter 16 because Jesus brings this up again in John chapter 16 verses 7 to 14. He says, "But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when the helper comes, uh, he will convict convict the world concerning Sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. He will take he will take of mine and will disclose to you all things that the father has are mine. And therefore, I said that he who takes of mine will disclose it to you. Do you hear that? So not only will the Holy Spirit give us power to testify, he's going to speak truth into our lives and he is going to guide us in truth. He's going to guide us in righteousness. This is a part of what he's going to do us in our lives. He's he's going to guide our lives away from sin and towards righteousness. He's going to speak into our hearts about what's going on in our lives and the sin that we need to get rid of. He's going to bring conviction to the world because he's going to work in the lives of those who who live in sin and so desperately need a savior. He is going to prepare the hearts of people that when we go out and we testify of Jesus Christ, it's by the power of God 
that they are going to be saved. It's not going to be by our words and our sweet little PowerPoint presentations that we use or our, our little Romans road tracks that we, we have. It is going to be the Holy Spirit working in the lives with the word and the power of the cross and the actions of the gospel that are going to transform lives. And so our job and our commissioning is to therefore go and make disciples. Just as he called the disciples to be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, then to the remotest parts of the earth, we are to do the same. It's the same commissioning that we are given that the disciples were given. Let's take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 to 20, and listen to what Jesus says in this commissioning. He says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so there's a couple of things, and, and we've got one episode, more episode to go. And so in this next episode that we're going to look at, we're going to look at a lot of the how how do we go and do this in the world that we are living in today? But this week we're looking at the commissioning. And so we want to spend a few minutes looking a little closer at Matthew 18 to 20. And so first and foremost, uh, we'll, we'll draw this back to John 17 in a minute, but he says, go. And we've already seen this in John 15, where we are to go and bear fruit. And so he says, go and the action, okay, the action that is to be taken here uh, in the Greek is make disciples. It's not just to go, it is to go and be obedient and follow with a purpose, and the purpose is to make disciples, all right? And disciples of what? Just our neighbors and the people around us? No, it's to reach the world. It's the same thing. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the remotest parts of the earth. Can you see why Paul had such a desire to preach the gospel in places that it had never been preached before? His mission was to take it all over the world. When I was in pastoral ministry, I was um, connected with Galcom Ministries at the time, and one of the sound guys in our church worked for Galcom, and he put these mini radios together, and they would drop these radios with the gospel message from from the um, from within the radio, and then it would be in their language, and they'd have little parachutes, and they'd land in in villages, and people would be able to hear the gospel. My understanding is that now, many years later, the technology is so much different. It's MP3, uh, you know, USB drives and things like that that they're using. But the purpose was to get the gospel into the remotest parts of the world. Uh, our founder, Jack Arthur, spent many, many years taking uh, his evangelistic ministry in the Jesus video all over Africa to to do what? To get the gospel of Jesus to the places that it had never been reached. It's amazing that in our time, with the technology that we have, that how long before 
all of the world is reachable with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Could this be? Could it be? We're not, we're not going back to Revelation, but is this one of the, the ways that, that, that ushers in the final, the final times of Jesus Christ when, when the gospel reaches the remotest parts of the earth and everybody has, has heard the gospel of Jesus? I don't know, just laying that out there as a topic of discussion, but the, the purpose is to go. It is to go and make disciples. All right, so how do we do this? According to the text, uh, we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, so the first first part of this is obviously sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 are great examples of using uh, Scripture for um, showing what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, that he uh, died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and that he appeared to many after and more than 500 brethren at one time paul says in corinthians and so the gospel of jesus christ uh is to be preached and as the holy spirit does his work in softening a heart to receive this message uh john 6 tells us no Man comes to God unless God draws him to him. So we know that God is working in the life of the individual when we share the gospel. And when they come to Jesus, one of the things we are to do is to baptize a public profession of an inward change. It's also an identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So this is an important step in making disciples, is to have them profess to the world, to the people that are around them, that yes, they have given up their will in their lives to pursue Jesus. And so a part of that baptism, that's not the only step that is to be taken in making a disciple. Uh, the, the mission of making disciples doesn't stop at preaching the gospel and then dunking somebody in water. All right, it tells us that we are also to teach them everything that Jesus commanded. Uh, if you were an individual listening to this right now, and, and maybe you know somebody who, who has just accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that you should look no further than Precept Ministries and our Bible studies to, to take on teaching what Jesus taught. Uh, the Bible studies that Precept offer are sound, doctrinally great Bible studies, and they will engage people in the Word of God, and they will bring the Word of God to life for you, and people will really get to know who God is through the inductive Bible study method. And so we are to teach, all right? And and I, I want to preface this that I don't, I don't believe that this is just a lecture on Sunday, that this teaching is not just about, uh, okay, well, I baptized you on Sunday, and then you, you just come to church and get a sermon on Sunday, and that's it. I believe that this teaching should be in every aspect of the individual's life, that it's more than just a Sunday, but it is in every circumstance, in every opportunity, we are teaching people how to respond in a way that glorifies God versus reverting back to responding in a way that was like 
before we were in Christ. That would include in difficult times, in suffering and in persecution, and in times where the world is rejecting us. How do we handle this? How do we learn to live in the light of Jesus Christ? Well, we learn from others and their experiences, but we also teach them how to observe the Word of God. You would not believe the number of times that I have met people who have come to Jesus, and the first thing they are told is, hey, yeah, here's a Bible. Go take that Bible and read the Gospel of John. I had a person in my small group once who was told, here's the best thing that you need to do as a brand new Christian. Start at Genesis 1-1 and make your way all the way through to Revelation. Well, this individual in my small group got to, got to some interesting stories when she started to read about Noah, and she began to ask, why is that even in the Bible? And I then directed her and said, you know what? You, you started in the wrong place. You're on the wrong road. Let's work together through the Gospel of John. Let's look at who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us through the eyes of the Gospels. And so we, we, can, we have the tools at Precept to be able to, to equip you, to equip others to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It is so important for us to fully know what Jesus requires of us as a true disciple of Jesus Christ, which we covered in the previous four episodes of this podcast. And so this is the commissioning that we have. We are to go out and make disciples. Now let's let's draw into John chapter 17 for a moment and we we won't spend too much time here to 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 beat the kind of beat with the stick the job that we are to accomplish. But in John chapter 17, uh, this prayer that Jesus has, this is one of the last conversations he will have with the Father before uh, he is crucified. Uh, we can break this section, this John 17, into three main sections. And uh, the first section is that Jesus prays for himself. The second section is that Jesus prays for his disciples. And the third is that Jesus prays for us. And I want to look quickly at these sections, but mostly uh, the one that Jesus has. And he said, Jesus spoke these things in John 17, verse 1. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Uh, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, so that all you have given him that he may give eternal life. Uh, not to, to dive into this too much, because we've done teaching in this podcast before on John 17. Uh, Jesus' desire is to be brought back to heaven uh, with the Father. Glorify me, uh, use me, and then bring me home. Uh, we also see in these verses that Jesus had authority given to him by the Father over all flesh, and that Jesus had the authority to give eternal life. He gives us a definition of eternal life in verse 3. He says, this is eternal life, that the people may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom I've sent. 
He says, I glorified you on this earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Did you hear it? Can you imagine Jesus in his prayer? This is before he even went to the cross. And he says, my work is finished. Bring me home. I have accomplished all that you have given me. He'll go on in John 17 to say, the word which you have given me, I gave to the disciples. And they understood it. And they have taken it. He also prays that as he's leaving this world, that he would keep them, these disciples, in the Father's name, that he would protect them and he would guard them. He tells us in verse uh, verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. You see, they, he says in verse 16, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, because your word is truth. We just learned that the Holy Spirit is going to play a part in this sanctification uh, and showing them the truth, calling him the spirit of truth. Uh, In verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. You see, Jesus, he, he's calling us. He's not calling us to, to hold, hold that little light, you know, that little light that shines, that, that little light that has transformed us. Uh, we're not supposed to hide it, you know, like the kids' song says, that we are to uh, show it. We are to bring it out. We are to share it with the world. We're not to become Christians and then lock ourselves into to a little Christian bubble and, and not be a part of the world anymore. It doesn't mean that we have to partake of all the world's offerings, but we still live here. And we still, as a part of still living here, our job is to populate heaven and plunder hell. It's not for us to be completely separated from the world and and not participating in the world because when we're completely separated from the world and not participating in the what's happening in the world, we don't have a mission field to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. You see, we need to be out sharing. We need to go. We can't lock ourselves in our houses. I can't imagine what it was like for those with the gift of evangelism going through the months of COVID and where people had to be locked down. We have a board member who spends all of their time, whether it be at home or in the hospital uh, where she's taking chemo treatments, she just has to go and share the gospel. It's a pa- all a part of who she is and her being that her sole purpose is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I, I'm, I'm going to be gone, and you're going to go out. And you're going to go out, and you're going to share the gospel of Jesus. You're going to share it with others. And as in John 17, he, he says, I've sent them out into the world, and this is what the um, text then tells us. Look what he says in verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as you are one in me, and I in you, 
that they may also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I am in them, you in me, and they are may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you are, uh, you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see glory, which I have given you, given me uh, for you, loved me before the foundation of the world. What Jesus is doing in these final verses in John John chapter 17, he's praying for the future disciples of Jesus Christ, that those disciples that would come through the obedience of the disciples themselves, the 12 apostles, and the work that they would do in sharing the gospel and being witnesses. He's not only praying for you and I, but he's praying for those who who will be future, future, yet to come to Jesus Christ. And what's his desire? That we would all be one together, that we would, again, be glorified with him and be present in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying the mission is this. It is to populate heaven and plunder hell. So as we live for Jesus Christ, true disciples of Jesus Christ, they show it in their own lives. It shows by the actions that they take to to sanctify themselves in truth, to to change their own lives, to, to be more pursuant in following after Jesus. But a part of that bearing fruit is that you go out and make disciples. Friends, are you making disciples? Is this a vital part of your mission as a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Is your mission to populate heaven and plunder hell? This is what we are called to do. We are called to make disciples, introduce them to Jesus, get them baptized, and then engage in Scripture with them and help them to become more like Jesus in their lives. This is your commission. This is my commission. Jesus is sending us out to change the world. Friends, populate heaven and plunder hell. Father, we thank you for the time that you have given us. We thank you for this commission, the mission that you have given us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, that he guides us in truth, that he gives us the courage and the boldness and the words to say when we need them most. Now, Lord, we pray We pray that we would bear fruit. Give us people in our lives that we can interact with with the gospel of Jesus. Let us not be afraid to share these truths. Yet these truths are so so, um, confronting, Lord, that when we come to people and we tell them that in your eyes they are separated from you, that they are your enemy, and yet the only answer is your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit prepares hearts before we even ever present the message. Would you continue to do that? That you would that you would create fruit ready to be picked off the tree when, when we are obedient to you. May we be people who pay attention to the opportunities that we have to share Jesus. We may not may we not miss them. May we not be fearful of what we are to say. Give us the words that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, friend, for joining us in today's podcast of Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Visit our website, preceptministries.ca, to further your journey in His Word by registering into a Bible study class, 
a workshop or leadership training that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.